What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Ballsy the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Across from me is, what, what's your name again, young man? This is the worst intro. <laughs> what? God. Are you kidding me? This you is need the best. work. No. He's Kevin Sherrington. I'm Evan Grant. David Moore from the Dallas Morning News Sports Day DFW and the national debate over football anthems and everything else <laughs> is currently on the line and, and court proceedings yes uh where should we start kevin well let's let's start uh, i don't want to start with the anthem controversy no let's not we'll get start. to that later we'll get to that later let's let's start with uh the, an update on uh what we expect uh, zeke elliott's uh court case is going to be uh david can you explain us to us now what uh what the what you expect could happen this week First, let me say, guys, it's it's been way too long, and let me add, thankfully, it's been way too long. <laughs> That's true; it has been too long. Was that, was that a clever little setup? It okay, was. anyway, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. This is all talking about something that's gone on for too long, and uh, still waiting to hear a ruling from the three-judge motions panel in the Fifth Circuit of New Orleans. Um, there are actually three outcomes here that kind of break down along two lines, if that makes sense. One, if they rule in favor of Elliot and say that, you know what, we do feel there's irreparable harm here, uh, the NFL, you have not made your case, you have to go back to the court in Sherman and argue your case in full. If that is the ruling, then Ezekiel Elliott will play for the remainder of this season because it's no way. there's no way the trial can work its way through the court process before the season is done. If the judges decide that, you know what, uh, we agree with the NFL's point here, uh, the jurisdiction here uh, was wrong, that the NFLPA and Ezekiel Elliott's people filed this case before the arbiter's ruling, the judge in Sherman was actually hearing this case before the arbiter ruled, Therefore, it doesn't matter what he ruled. That renders the entire case irrelevant because of arbitration. In that scenario, you're thrown back to square one, and the only filing for a place for this to be heard now is in the Southern District of New York, which is the court that Elliot and his people desperately wanted to avoid. In that scenario, they tosses out the uh, vacates uh, the decision of the Sherman court throws it out because the NFL has already filed in southern uh, New York 
uh, it would go there, and then Elliot's people would have to try to get a temporary restraining order there. Uh, the, I, I know that's very confusing, but it's basically going to be, I think we should know at some point this week or in the middle of next week whether or not he is going to play the remainder of this season or he is going to start serving his six-game suspension this season. Great. So to sum up for the, the listeners here, um, at this point in time, Zeke's either going to be suspended or he's or not, not going to be suspended. But I think, yeah, I, I think one thing here that, uh, because I know people get tired head on this and, and really don't care to follow the, the legal machinations along the way. They just want to know, is he playing or is he not playing? But I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that there's a very good chance, look, everything that's happened to this stage has only been preliminary. There have, they have actually not gotten in front of the court to argue the case yet. This has all been preliminary. So if you were going to go through and have uh, a trial on this at some point, uh, but it's just when is it going to take place? All right, do we want to get to – do we want to move from jurisprudence to football before we move on to – Patriotism. Yeah, that's that. Cause I want to. Uh, to uh, I want to discuss just once again the the last couple of minutes of that Cowboys game. I want to start. I want to start our discussion with the last drive of the Cowboys' last drive. Or the Cowboys' the last Cowboys' drive. last drive. Where do you Where do you want to start that? Well, what I want to start that is is that uh, so so David, how how much time elapsed on that final drive? Almost nine minutes. Yeah, they, it was a seventeen play. 79-yard scoring drive that consumed 8 minutes and 43 seconds. 8.43. That's an, that's an unbelievable job of doing that and uh, of, of, of taking that much time off the clock. It's exactly what they had to do. So now you get down there, and, you, and it's uh, second and, and two. Uh, um, was the second and two, Dave? Was that the, that the play where I'm yeah, talking? Yeah, second, second and two on the 11-yard line. On, on the 11-yard line. And on that play, they, and they were, when the clock started with that play, David. How much time was left at that moment? I believe there was one twenty-four. One twenty-four. Okay, so one twenty-four, second and eleven. All right, Kevin, what's your what's your take? My take on that is is that it's 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 second and two at the eleven. So you run the ball. Right. You had you've had success running the ball. You know, this is what your identity is built around is running, and you finally having success. At the end of this game, after trying all game to get your running game going, it has worked very well in this drive, and, and you're moving the ball, and you're trying to take time off the clock. It's second and two, run the ball. And instead, what they elect to do, they throw the fade to Dez in the left corner of the left side of the field, which is not even close, really, and, and it stops the clock. And, in, and of course, this is a, exactly what the Packers want you to do. They, they want you to, to, to stop the clock at this point because they've got one timeout left. Right. Now, let's, let's uh, take a guess here. If you run the ball in that play and you get the first down, how, how much time do we, are we going to say it's going to disappear off the clock if they don't call a timeout? Well, even if you don't get the first down, in some point, in, yeah, at some true. point, really, that's irrelevant because you're going to use all four downs there. Yes, you're still right. wound up with a third and two. Right now, their third and two started at like what? I, I think it ran six seconds off the clock, so that started around one eighteen. You would have run off thirty-five uh, to forty more seconds off the clock, or you would have forced Green Bay to use its final timeout. Right. And then the Packers would not have had a timeout for their final drive, which would and have that's the significance at that point. And at that point, you're saying run the ball. At that stage, Ezekiel Elliott had run for 85 yards in the fourth quarter alone. 
Uh, Dallas had run on six of its previous nine possessions. Uh, they chose that they understood the situation there. Uh, still chose to go into the end zone with the pass rather than run it in that situation. David, I want to I, I want to clear one thing up. I read something yesterday that that was a run pass option for Dak. Was that a a called pass play or was it a run pass option? Uh, my understanding was they give him that that was a run pass option. Uh, then you get into the situation of you know what sometimes the the head coach and the offensive coordinator. They're the one calling the plays. They're the ones <clears throat> that have the final say on the situation. If you believe in that situation, burning the clock is every bit as important as your ability to score. Right. Then you say, run it regardless. You take off the option. There is no option. Absolutely. In, the, in, in that situation, I think the, pre, the, the priorities for the, for the coaching staff become clock management and taking, taking the – the choice, because once Dak has got the ball in his hands, his, oppor- his 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 goal is to move the ball downfield and to take the best option that he's got. And if that is throwing into the end zone at that point in time, that's what he's going to take. If you take that option away from him and say, we're going to hand the ball off to Zeke and he's going to run off tackle, then then there's no choice there. And right. you, you have burn clock. You do force Green Bay to take the timeout. You do then, even if Green Bay gets the ball back with 45 seconds left or less, that it completely eliminates the oper- the ability for them to that have that run play that they had in the middle of the field. Uh, they can't throw to the middle of the field at all. Well, David, let's go back because last year. Wait a minute. Are well, you, no, but I was going to say Aaron Rodgers had 35 seconds for the for that last drive. Right. Is that correct? And uh, the and the game winning field goal yeah. in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah, just need a field goal there. Yeah, field goal would have tied it. Here. That's right. right. So, he, so I'm not, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers. Well, I, I got you know I hate to to bring up uh, undisputed and and Skip and Shannon Sharp, but Shannon Sharp said he's the best throwing the ball I've ever seen. Aaron Rodgers, and I got to tell you, you watch him spin that ball, and he does it as well as anybody I, 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 that I've ever seen. You know, he just has such great feel and touch. And I'm and I, he was in such a zone, or he is in such a zone against the Cowboys. I'm not saying that he wouldn't have been able to do the same thing. I'm saying that you leave him a, a minute and 13 seconds, and that's just too much, you know. Even, well, yeah, and and they and and don't allow them to sideline. I mean, give them the middle of the field instead of the, you know, they still got out of bounds three times on their final drive to right. go down and, and and score that winning touchdown. But yeah, to, to go back to that to to explain. Uh, what Jason Garrett was saying, because he, he understands this. And look, Jerry Jones came out after the game and said, we're going to be second-guessing that call on second and two for a long time. Uh, and it's legit. One, I will say, the fact that you had a 17-play drive that scored the go-ahead touchdown that consumed 843, and you're talking about clock management, shows you what an inordinate burden is placed on this offense because of the little faith you have in your defense right uh, that that is the primary thing right there when when you're quibbling over a drive of 843 for a touchdown not consuming enough time then that tells you you have major defensive shortcomings that are a much bigger issue than your offense and what you called on second and two yeah that's a great but, point but again David. that makes it legitimate but it's but the fact is it's still a legitimate conversation and, and quickly just to give jason garrett's point was he said look 
uh, I, I understand the conversation. Uh, it, it's legitimate to question this. We question these play calls all the time as well afterwards. But there's a tendency to get too cute sometimes. We needed to score a touchdown. Scoring a touchdown was our primary objective. If we didn't score a touchdown, we were going to lose the game. That takes the precedence. Now, would we prefer to plunge over the goal line as time expired? Of course. But that doesn't mean if you have a chance to score, you don't take it. And we felt we had a chance to score there. And then he also pointed out if, if, you, if you go back in this 17-play drive, there was a fourth down and one where the Cowboys were ruled that they were stopped short, but only by the grace of the overhead camera placement that saw Ezekiel Elliott stretch and go over did he get the first down. So if you would have, uh, like I said, you, you can't assume they were going to score the touchdown. They did on the next play after that. Uh, but, uh, again, to me, more than anything, this just underscores how little faith everyone has in this defense's ability to rise to the occasion and do anything. And, and on that point, it, it, I want to make one more point about this scoring drive, uh, is that I think we all agree it would not have been a good idea for Dak to take a knee, uh, to, to slide at the one. I, I had so much interaction on social media on Sunday night and Monday that I cannot believe the statements from Cowboy fans who, who I think are fairly intelligent football fans. But again... Once you're in the field of play, your objective is to advance the ball as far as you possibly can. And in that situation, your objective is to score. Once you once you've run the ball, your objective is to score. The last thing you need to do is you want to talk cute too cutesy, you slide down at the fir- at the one yeah, yard that, line. That's crazy. You get a holding call or a or a illegal um, an illegal procedure call. Or, or a false start, something along those lines, now we've got really big issues here yeah. because now it brings into play both the coach and the quarterback. The yeah. quarterback did nothing wrong no, uh, that, in that, on that no, play. No, that that would have been crazy. And, and, and yeah. it's the height of, of, of asinine conversation to sit here and say he should have slid at the one-yard line. David brings up a if great all point. You needed, if, all you, yeah, if all you needed was a field goal to win or you had the lead – that's a different situation. Right. Then you can argue, yes, that is knowing uh, the situation of the game and, and being counter. While it is counterintuitive, it makes more sense not to score there and take the time off. Right. But they were behind. They did not have that option. And the idea was not to kick a field goal and, and send this to overtime. The, the idea was to score a touchdown and win. And, and I, I mean, you brought up a great point in your column on Monday. You just mentioned it again that, you know, you're talking about a 17-play 843 drive and we're questioning did they did they score too soon yeah, did uh, they do enough yeah. did yeah i want i want we need to we need to move on cuz david's going to have to go here pretty quick okay. and i i want to bring up one real quick thing before we talk and we're going to talk really quickly about this anthem deal but uh but david it seems to me that uh on on that defense the defensive line is playing better. Uh, they're getting better production. David Irving was back. He he had uh, didn't have the same impact he had on the Packers last year, but he still had a very good game. Uh, I I really thought that uh, Jordan Lewis played pretty well. I know he gave up the winning catch, but he played well. Otherwise, he was getting picked on a lot, and I thought he responded well. He was at least in the neighborhood all the time with those receivers. But the the, the area to me that really killed them yesterday and the week before. 
uh, is without Sean Lee and at linebacker. They're, they're just – Anthony Hitchens came back and made a nice play and deflected a ball that would have been a touchdown earlier in the game. But uh, I, I think Jalen Smith is clearly uh, still rehabbing that, that uh, nerve problem in his knee, is not able to have the burst and speed to cover that he normally has. Are they going to make a, a change there at linebacker, or is he going to continue to play as much as he is? He's not going to continue to play as much. I believe everyone agrees that he's been overextended. Uh, once Sean Lee returns, which should be the San Francisco game coming out of the bye, uh, now that Anthony Hitchens is back, I believe you'll see uh, Anthony Hitchens and him uh, basically splitting the plays, and whoever's playing better is going to stay in and, and do a little bit more. Again, it's very uh, very inspirational in a lot of ways what he's done to get back, but they had no intentions of giving him this heavy of a workload this early in his return, and it showed. Yeah, it really has. He has a, he has a hard time going sideline to sideline. Okay, David, uh, we know you're going to have to go here, but we want to get your thoughts really quick about uh, Jerry's uh, statement after the game, which really surprised me. I was not prepared for him to say that, that he was going to to sit anybody who kneels uh, during the anthem. Were, were you surprised he came out and said that? Yeah, and no, i got to jump up here real quick. Actually, I believe the NFL office is about to respond to those comments, and I want to be uh, there to get that. But I was very surprised by that. I do not understand his rationale uh, of continuing to say now, he's spoken three consecutive days on it, saying that he's making the stand uh, to really – uh, remove the Cowboys from the public debate. He is clearly thrusting them into the middle of this public debate. And, and this whole idea of we have to give them consequences because so the peer pressure won't get to them, uh, I, I think is going to hit some notes and hit some optics that he does not want to deal with nationally. Uh, I'm, I'm just surprised he has been so apolitical in the past uh, to align himself ideologically here and what that opens his franchise up for i'm i'm very surprised frankly that he's doing this and being as outspoken as he is yeah all right david we'll let you go and get to the nfl but um kevin and i will continue this um so thanks for joining us thanks david it's always great to have you you on man see ya okay very good always enjoy it when barry's not there (laughs) (laughs) don't we kevin (coughs) are you through had to cough, hit the cough button. Panic Did you button. actually hit the cough button? It's you know it's actually called a panic button. You weren't here the time that that Barry was over here and we couldn't hear him. It's because he hit his foot on the panic button. This doesn't surprise me, Kevin. What are your What are your thoughts? I haven't read your column this morning um, because I had an eye emergency. You know, it was online yesterday. You could have read it yesterday. I, I've I've been dealing with this eye emergency while oh. I wasn't at the. F- the times that I wasn't at the fair, which is another conversation. You were at the fair. You know, I need to have. Oh, I haven't been to the fair yet. Um, but on this week, what are your thoughts on on, on this? I, I mean, I think it's. I, I just have to say that I think for Jerry, it, it, it seems like it gets worse every time he opens his mouth. Right now, because for him to say this morning, and we're talking here Tuesday morning, that he's trying to remove the Cowboys from the national debate. He's put his players squarely in the middle of this thing, and they are going to endure pressure now for two weeks from both sides on, on this conversation. Um, where do you stand on this whole thing? Uh, you know, I don't I don't know Jerry's true motivation. As we know, Jerry do you think his motivation Jerry is, is motivated mostly by money. Right. And so I, I think he realizes that with the, the great uh, majority of the, of the ticket base, uh, feels like that the you know, Cowboys need to be standing during the anthem. 
And so I think he's playing to that a little bit here. Uh, what I wrote about was that, you know, all these years, Jerry's never taken a stand on anything. Not domestic violence. Not domestic violence, which was my point. Not drunk driving. Not drunk driving, not, uh, not drug abusers, not, uh, not anything. Right. He's, he's, never, he's never said once, listen, if you do this, you're gone. Right. Or you sit down or you're not going to play. He's never said that. Never said it so adamantly. And, and so, so now to say it now, and listen, and I'm on record about this. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a little offended by by kneeling during the anthem. You know, I, I get it what what people are saying, but I do, I also believe, and and this is what I loved about what Jason Witten said. I asked him about that after the game in Arizona. What did you think? And he said, you know what? I'm going to stand and I'm going to put my hand over my heart until the day I die when any time the national anthem plays. And he said, but you know what? I come in this room and I see these guys as my teammates and I listen to what they have to say. And he said, and I respect what they have to say. And then they arrived at common ground on what they were going to do in Arizona. And I had such tremendous respect for him for saying that and doing that. But and I think, listen, and I think Jason Witten is 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 a tremendous spokesman and statesman when it comes to yes, to the NFL and, and this team. Um, but I I also think that you don't have to arrive at common ground. Um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I've been to thousands of professional sporting events, and I've stood there for the national anthem at every one of them. Um, and, and I get that it is a moment to kind of just take a 90 seconds out of your day when it's when somebody's not turning it into a, a showmanship type thing right. on the field and and just say, you know, thank you for, for being in this country. Thank you for, for uh, the protections that we have. Thank you for the service people who put their, their lives on the line. But I also understand that there is an, an, an entire reality out there that I've been fortunate enough not to ever have to live, that I've, I've never had to deal with, and I can't necessarily understand it, um, and I may not agree with it, and it may not be my personal stance, but if those players choose to kneel, as long as they do it in a manner that it does, I, I think there's a big difference between between showing protest and showing desecration, those guys have have kneeled. They've looked at the flag. Again, the case that I I brought up to you was was Bruce Maxwell, the Oakland A's catcher, who was the one player in Major League Baseball to do it. Stood there kneeling with his hand over his heart, looking at the flag attentively. When Colin Kaepernick first started this protest, it was really bad body language, just sitting slump-shouldered on the bench. And that did, I think, constitute the idea of a show of disrespect. He then spoke with a veteran who said, I appreciate what you are trying to do. Who went to the University of Texas, by the way. What you are trying to do. What you are trying to accomplish. I agree with it. But here's how to do it in a way that won't suggest to the servicemen that you're disrespecting. That you are, that by kneeling, you are actually standing for something. Um, And and, uh, we've gotten into a position now where nobody has... The whole idea of this was to create national dialogue about social inequality, racial injustice, what can we do to make this a better place, and the debate is not over the issues. The debate has become, well, you're, you're, you're disrespecting the flag, and I don't know that, that these players, no player that's knelt, I don't think has had any desire to disrespect the flag or the country. They're trying to make a stand. Well, I, I will say this, uh, and I have written this as well. 
I, th- I think that Colin Kaepernick chose the wrong form of, of protest to be, just because of that. It, just because, listen, I'm all for what, you know, Richard Sherman sometimes is a nut, but he's very uh, eloquent in expressing his point, and he's, and he's certainly glad to do that. And you know what? We listen anytime he wants to talk. And, and that's all Colin Kaepernick has to do. He has to, to come forward and say, you know what? I want to talk about this. I want to talk about what's going on in our country. And people will listen to him. We will listen, and we will give him an audience, and he can do that. He chose, uh, he chose a form of protest that, from the very beginning, alienated people. And, that, and that's my point, is that w- you and I are in the business of communications, and our job is to communicate. If I throw something out there and, and uh, it's offensive to people, they won't read they won't even read a tweet that links to something right. if they think that 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 link is offensive I, so, I, then, so then we're then our purpose is defeated and so that's that was my problem with what Colin Kaepernick chose to do you can't make you can't make this stand off the cuff if you were going to do this you had to have conversations with veterans or first responders ahead of time you had to consult somebody and say this is what I want to do, and this is the message I want to get out. You can't just sit on the bench. Yeah, and, 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 and there's a, but there's also a way just to talk about it. If he had just been, listen, if he hadn't sat down and if he just talked, he might still be playing in the NFL, which I think is wrong, I don't, that he's not playing the NFL, right. if, if that's the reason. If the reason he's not playing is because of his stance. But, but my point is he could still be talking about it, and we could still be having a dialogue instead of having this division of people who just say, I don't care what you have to say. You, what you did was so offensive to me, I, I cannot listen to you. I, I, and, and I agree with everything you're saying in, on principle. Yeah. And you know that if, if we were in a clubhouse or a locker room and a player came to you and said, listen, there's an issue I'd like to talk about, we would say, I am all ears. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's part of the problem that, that we don't have that that back and forth with with players at this point in time that I don't think they feel comfortable going to media on certain things. But at the same time, I think that the player the, the player in question here in Kaepernick and I think later on other players as well felt like just having a discussion at this point in time isn't try, it isn't getting us anywhere. Mm-hmm. We need to do something that is going to be for lack of a better term, a provocation. Yeah, and that's where we're at now. And, and, and that's and, certainly and, what, and that's what I wrote about a couple of weeks ago as well as the John Carlos and Tommy Smith at '68 Olympics with the Black Power salute. Uh, and and I've you know, and what they did. And I grew up, and I was 12 years old when that happened. And and I remember that. And I remember just the scandal, at least in white America, of what we saw of that. Right. And, and I was a pretty reasonable 12 year old kid, and I was just horrified that these two guys uh, would do that uh, at that time. And maybe I'm still a little bit scarred from that uh, after all this time. Uh, so it's a, it's a little difficult. And, it, and since then, the two of them have said, you know, that wasn't intended as a black power salute. That was intended as something else. And, and so the symbols of you these You can't things- let that. But when you're going to do something that's got symbolism behind it, again, you've got to get the message out in front. And I think that's something we're, we're hopefully – of course, that was a different time too. Yeah, and, and 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 listen, and and I've had people who criticize me about that column about uh, about you know uh, what it intended it to be. And it's like, and I had people even say that, oh, they, you know, it wasn't that bad at East Texas State in 1967 right. or 68, and that's ridiculous to say that. And 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 first of all, as as you or I, as as white males, we really don't have the right 
to comment on that and say that everything was just fine. Right. You know, we have no idea what it was like. We have no idea what it's like now. And that's why I've neither, listen, I've neither endorsed nor condemned these protests because I don't really know what it's like. I don't know what the exact motivation is in each individual player's mind. And I don't know um, where we go from here. Uh, But what I, I do have issue with is that everybody on either side of the aisle just seems to be entrenched in you're disrespecting the flag or go ahead, protest. And, and nobody's talking about the issues at hand. My question to you still remains this. Dak Prescott's going to get a lot of pressure, right or wrong. He's going to get a lot of pressure. And Zeke is going to get a lot of pressure from groups uh, trying to get this message across that – they want these protests to actually have action down the road. Do either of these guys kneel? And if they do, does Jerry take action? Does he follow up on it? I don't, we, we had this discussion in, after the game among uh, the, the Dallas Morning News guys um, and to talk about, uh, and I asked that question, do you guys, who, who do you think would, would have knelt? If they if they'd had the opportunity and and they said you know what and they and they're around these guys every day they said well, I don't know he said that maybe a couple of the young guys he said but not Dak not Zeke you know I, I brought up Orlando Scandrick because Orlando's pretty much his own man and he said no not not Orlando either now I'm not saying that that's the case we're they're we're just guessing right they might you know but uh, I, I'm also guessing that this is one of the reasons why Jerry took this stance. Is because he felt like he really didn't have any guys who were going to do it. Right, they were going to put him on the spot like that. Um, but so, I, I think also that the you know this is a game changer when you come out and say this because now there is going to be pressure, especially going into an off week. There's going to be pressure on guys um, from from people in the community who are trying to say we want this to have some long term action. And if you stay, if you if you now kneel, Jerry's going to have to make a decision one way or another. No, I, I see what you're saying. And, and think, guys would have to risk an awful lot to do it. And I don't think they're going to. Right. I, I really don't think they're going to. Uh, but but you're right. It does. You know, it does. What it doesn't really matter so much whether they do or don't. What matters is that that their owner has now put all this kind of, as you say, has put all this pressure on. Them. It gets back to this, uh, it, and, and this is the football discussion part of it. It gets back to this. They've got two weeks where they're now two and three. They, they've got serious issues. They've, they've they've been outscored. I think when I calculated it was 80 to 43 in the second half this year um they uh uh, they've lost uh, they've lost two games that they should have won here i think in in the last two weeks and and they've got two weeks going into to this to the next game uh with the 49ers which by no means is is a is a no 49ers are playing better um and the 49ers and levi stadium is the hotbed of the kneeling and the protests, right? That team has kneeled more than Nailed any other more. team, yeah. Uh, and so now you've got two weeks of this that, that's just going to be a distraction. Every camera, not just the sports networks, every national network, every camera from news shows is going to descend on the star, and it's going to be a nonstop question for these players for the next two weeks. And I just don't think you've created, you you've done your your team any service in terms of creating a winning atmosphere for the or a, an, an atmosphere conducive to success no it's not but you know what that's jerry 
and and certainly there have been a lot of things he's done over the years that were not conducive to success. Right. And that's the amazing thing about this to me is that the one time he takes a stand is on a peaceful protest. Right. And uh, and whether you agree with it or not, it is a peaceful protest. No one's being harmed here. Correct. And that is not the case on many of the other times that things have happened with his team and things he's allowed and the messages that he has sent his team basically has always been, hey, as long as you play, everything's okay. I got your back. And I, you know, and this is the thing. This is also a guy who's been very supportive. Um, I want to move on from this for just one second before we get before we move into the next podcast. Thirty seconds. Terrence Williams, I thought, had a terrible drop on a, on a ball that was in his hands, uh, turned into a pick six. Right. We've had this conversation before. Your mind, yes or no, reliable receiver? No, you know, and, and here's the reason why. Uh, because if you watch Terrence Williams catch the ball, he doesn't use his hands. Right. He's he's a guy who likes to cradle it. And, and that ball, what was so crazy about that play is that I, I think he was not expecting it, A, and B, he, you know, Dak threw a bullet at him, and it was about head high to his left a little bit. The ball's above your waist. Your palms are out when you catch the ball, you know. And instead, he raises his hands up as high, as high as he can get them to the left, trying to catch them with his elbows on a ball that's neck high. It was it was ridiculous form for a receiver to do that. And so, you know, Bryce Butler has, has all of a sudden kind of come along a little bit. Is Bryce your number two? I I think the thing, I, and, and I I hate to say I hate to, I, I'm not taking Cole Beasley out of this, but I think because of the position he plays, yeah, he's kind of a different animal. We're talking about outside receivers. Yeah. He, he, well, because here, here's the thing, Bryce Butler. The reason why the Cowboys acquired him in the first place it was an emergency, but you know he's a he's a little bit of a deep threat. He can get loose. You know he's fast. He got a long stride. He's got good hands. You, you saw on the ball where Dak made the really impressive play where he scrambled to his right, threw downfield. Uh, Bryce came back for the ball and caught it with his hands. It was a it was a forty yard pass. He right. caught it with his hands. He didn't jump up in the air like Terrence does and want to you know collapse around it. So yes, I think you know I was asked this question last week before the game, uh, and I said that nah, there's not a lot of difference for me here because because Bryce will also disappoint you. He right. will he will both these guys are going to disappoint you. Yeah, but, but I, I, I'm just asking in your mind which is the yeah. more reliable receiver? Well, right? I think he's the more reliable and he's more likely to make a big play for you. All right, um, we've got uh, we've got two sports podcasts that are actually going to be mostly about sports coming up. Yes, we do. Uh, what do we got? Well, we got Eddie Sefko talking about those Mavs. They played last night against the Magic. I don't know. Did you watch that game? No, I did not. Yeah, I watched that game. I was recovering from fair food. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and then we've also we're also going to talk college sports. We got a big game coming up this week out at the fair of all places, uh, Texas OU. We got TCU still in the running for a, uh, a national title, even if uh, Oklahoma's chances took a big ding uh, last week. So we got a lot to talk about on on the colleges. We have a, a college guest, or is it just me and you? It's just gonna be me and you. Pal. Okay, that's great. We can also get some fair talk in there. Yeah, we can. We can do that. All right, so we'll see you all soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.